Got to take advantage. Got to take advantage while you can. Anyway, it's Thursday. Thursday, Thursday. And my my voice is almost a whole octave deeper. I don't know. if Maybe the worst is over. I don't know. It's the... You know, dealing with a little fatigue and uh, some some aches and uh, a little tightness in the chest now. So it's, it's working through the whole system. I think tonight I might actually uh, step up the, uh, the supplementation a little bit. Uh, but I don't know. <laughs> a job needs to get done, so the job gets done. My gosh. Anyway, we have a great guest on tonight. His name is Isaac Weishaupt. And he is a host of uh, several podcasts and does a lot of writing on Illuminati symbolism, especially in pop culture. And uh, we have plenty to discuss tonight. We certainly do. Uh, it's the day after all of the quote-unquote debates. And um, as promised, today was Trump's turn-in date in Georgia. And apparently there was going to be, <clears throat> there's going to be a live televised arraignment at 7.30. So, I don't know. After we're done with Isaac, I'll jump into the, hopefully somebody in the Discord, or in the uh, the, the Gilded, I should say, um, links me to whatever kind of media is out by that point, and of course, the mugshot. Everybody's waiting for. The mugshot is coming out. Anywho, tomorrow is a summer Friday off, which uh, will probably be a very, very fun day for me, just lying around and recovering from whatever the hell this is. Uh, I hope that I wake up and I'm a whole new man because I want to take Aurora to either a, an aquarium or something else depending on what the weather is still and Saturday night I know Saturday night I was said I was going to go live at 9 o'clock that is of course all health depending now and uh, you know I would hate to have to postpone the deer scene episode again because there's only five days left in August and I don't know where we can put it I'd hate to say that's all we have for this year but Whatever. Maybe uh, the distance uh, makes the heart grow fonder and we'll do it again next year and it'll feel better because it was two years away. Don't have to rule anything out just yet, but this is the way the cookie crumbles sometimes. All right, so uh, what else do we have to make an announcement on tonight? Any announcements? Does anybody in the the audience want to make an announcement about something? You can. Go ahead. I've set up an announcement line, personal announcements. Call in, let everybody know what you're doing over the weekend, uh, how much how much laundry you're going to be doing. As for last night, I guess I'll just say thank you to my sponsors, Blue Monster Prep, above them all. Thank you so much for being there for me, Pat and Gina, and this show. They are just uh, always there, and they're there for you too. Go and check them out, bluemonsterprep.com. Use promo code FRANKLY. For all of your shipping needs taken care of. And all of our other friends on the affiliates page are just as amazing. So please, take a gander. Please go do so. All right. And on Zero Hedge, this is what we have from last night. Make that over 200 million views and still going. That's right. Debate night with Donald J. Trump. Tucker Carlson. Tucker on X. That was That's Tucker's show that he uploads exclusively to Twitter. Within a couple of minutes, millions of views. People wanted to see this interview that was released 
simultaneously as the the kiddie pool debates were going <coughs> were going live and man oh man as of 5:55 p.m. of this afternoon 207.3 million views i watched the whole thing of that i did not watch all the debates i just watched some of the highlights um as i expected the dark pony the dark pony candidate because the real horse is you know 50 points above them all um and and being uh, indicted and 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 attempted to be killed because he's the the only threat there is to the um hegemony of of whatever is left behind in in dc the just the the old decrepit rotting face of a machine that has long long since outlived its uh, its believability and its usefulness it is just gang wars at this point but anyway uh ramaswamy i think that's his last name he like he had a couple of good moments but uh every good moment he has anybody that does a little digging on him shows that you know he had a complete inverse side to one story or another before uh ronda santos was just so, so pathetic was pathetic um, and well, at least everything I saw of him, maybe he made a good point somewhere in between, but, uh, that one raising his hand moment, I mean, that's it. Your night's over. That is such a character buster. It, it, the night is over at that point, but here you go. Focus on the signal, not the noise is a phrase that might has, uh, might as well have been coined by Steve Bannon, given how frequently he and his acolytes make use of it at this stage in the game. It should be, uh, the mantra of the MAGA movement writ large. For the hour is already late. There is a mountain of work left to do to haul President Trump over the finish line, navigating a corrupt, weaponized justice system, dealing with the rigged election procedures, combating both soft and overt censorship by mainstream media networks and social media. And that is just the tip of the iceberg. Very well put. Because all the things that he had in his way in 2020, there's three more barriers in front of him now. Which is why, given the enormity of the collective hole we have dug ourselves uh, we uh, we have dug ourselves in, the idea of normal politics as usual primary season was ridiculous from the start. The 2020 presidential election was undeniably the most uh, unfair election in modern history. It necessarily produced an illegitimate outcome. The Ron DeSantis, Mike Pence, Chris Christie, and the rest are behaving as if all that does not matter or that somehow the problems that got us in this dire situation as a country would miraculously vanish if Trump were removed from the picture is the ultimate indictment of their credentials. The other candidates are not serious contenders for the presidency for the simple purpose that they do not seriously care about America's interest. If they did, if they realized the gravity of the crisis, they would have immediately stepped aside and thrown whatever minuscule political capital they harness upon the 45th president of the United States, knowing that he alone has a shot at achieving the near insurmountable feat of winning the presidency. And again, insurmountable, why? Because of the systemic hurdles and brick walls and electrified fences and sharpshooters that are all over the place. In short, the primary process, personified above all by Ron DeSantis and his pitiful excuse for a campaign, is a colossal distraction and time waster from where our focus needs to be. Poll after poll has Trump leading 30, 40, 50 plus points above the nearest competitor. Uh, even the absolutely most competitive primary states like Iowa, Trump's lead is well over 20 point mark. The largest lead for that state's Republican caucus in over two decades. 
Trump won this battle before the first shot was ever fired because grassroots voters can viscerally into it that um, just how high the stakes are this time around, that for America, 2024 is the truly make or break moment. And why is that? Because for all of the suspicions people have of Trump and all of the things that he failed to do to the best of his ability and all that other stuff, um, there is nobody. He had a very specific set of skills, being in the media and the public eye for that long, um, there is nobody that has the ability to go out there and wage that kind of war and get that kind of attention doing it. I'm sure there's plenty of people in this country who knows the right things to say, has the right convictions, the right principles, understands history, civics, American governance, foreign policy. They would be a dream come true for all of us. But as far as getting a toe wedged into the opening of this door to the company, and having a shot at just, I don't know, uh, rustling even a few feathers is, um, that's it. What was it going to be? Nikki Haley and her, her snow miser chin? Did you hear what she said about how uh, she, she had to make it about women at some point because she's the girl on the stage? She said, uh, go, go, to men, uh, go to men if you want if you want some people to say words or say things and go to women if you want things done. Like, oh, okay, okay. It was women who built the, uh, the Empire State Building. That's right, that's right. While, while the men talked about how great it would be to have a skyscraper ascend to the heavens, they were the ones talking about how, it, and Nikki Haley's great-grandmother was there building it from the ground up. Oh, man, how pathetic. It's all so pathetic. Uh, this is a great uh, clip from last night with Trump and Tucker, though, when they went after uh, Chris Wallace. Take, take a listen to this. I, I like this a lot because I hate Chris Wallace. I said, how come, and this was in front of, probably not a friend of yours, Chris Wallace. He was the moderator. Not a friend. I said, why did, why is it, he wants to be Mike, but he doesn't have the talent. It's one it's of those. A bitchy little, little man. A bitchy little man. It's true. He is a little bitch. Now, I know Chris Wallace watches this show because he's got nothing else going on. You... He wanted to be his father, but he didn't have the talent of his father. His father was great. His father... A little fussy man. His father interviewed me in 60 <laughs> Minutes. It was actually a 10. Can you believe I, it? No, I totally believe it. His father got... had talent, at no, least. I may have been the only guy that he gave a good 60 Minutes to. He was rough. Really? His father was tough. He was great, though. He was great at what he did. But uh, Chris Wallace was so upset. He was guarding this guy, who wouldn't do a show, by the way. You know, he wouldn't do... I figured... I didn't mind Chris Wallace because uh, he wouldn't do, Biden wouldn't do a show. And it was very obvious, you know, he kept asking him and asking, but he wouldn't do the show. So I figured he's got to like me, but he came from a different planet. Yeah, he came about the, the planet bitch. Planet bitchy. What old bitchy? Why, I am, I'm not a bitch. I, I'm a newsman, damn it. Bring me to the studio right now. Mr. Wallace, nobody watches you. It's useless. You have no defense against this. Nobody watches you. Your rebuttal will fall upon deaf ears, Mr. Wallace. That's not true. I'm a newsman. I come from newsman stock. Nope. Nope, nope, no. Nope. You know, I think the, the greatest thing about all, everything last night is, once again, we are in the right place at the right time. Especially shows like this, new media. It was another big endorsement for new media. We are everything. We are everything right now. Ladies and gentlemen, continue to support 
support, support all the shows that you love. If you love this show, become a sponsor for $2 a month. That's $24 a year. $24 a year. But if just 10% of this audience did that, it would be, it'd be over. It really would be just, I, the people I would be able to hire is insane. It's insane. Just for 5% of the audience. We're kicking ass with just a hair under 1% of the audience um, as monthly subscribers. I'm telling you, it, a little goes a long way, and that is what freaks them out. This has been great. It really has been. Now, obviously, Tucker is bringing a, an already colossal presence into Twitter, the Twitter space and all that stuff. Um, he's also interviewing somebody who has a colossal presence in himself. But still, it is just didn't have to turn on the TV. That doesn't have to happen anymore. Other than that, I mean, um, there was other. It was a good interview. But you know, uh, Bill Barr was brought up last night. Uh, he was brought up to be actually usher in a question about Jeffrey Epstein, why he failed to prosecute and really blow up the Jeffrey Epstein case and and uh, show the planet what that was all about. Which of course he can't because Bill Barr would have to. Um, to actually do that, he would betray every person that helped him come up in his career because they're inexorably all linked together. Um, and then he asks Trump, Tucker does, whether he thinks Epstein killed himself. Uh, and Trump says that the case can be made either way, Now, I, which is ridiculous. I mean, there's no reason to be diplomatic at this point about whether you think uh, Epstein was killed or or uh, or hung himself because everyone who voted for him and most of those who didn't know that it's all bullshit. Now there are some people who are wondering why a little bit more and obviously if you are in prison for something like that and somebody is able to get a hold of you inside of something that is that maximum security then someone very powerful wants you gone. But to the extent of who that powerful entity is and who their friends are and whatever networks they're connected to there's only so far that people jump into that but i think everybody knows that the circumstances and trump even said what was going on in that uh that jail the lights are going off there's no the all the guards are sleeping the the cameras don't work yeah yeah right exactly so what do you deduce from that please uh the hyoid bone uh broken anywho um but he admits he, he admits he made a mistake with a pointing bar, and then of course goes and uses his firing of James Comey as an example of how he would reform all of the agencies as they are right now, even though uh, James Comey was replaced by Christopher Ray, and he's still there. I mean, I, I, it's most people at this point. It Tucker, it's uh, on Trump and Tucker's level. Tucker's asking the question, when the premise of the question is, how do we reform? How do we reform? Then we've already lost the plot. The question is, how do we eliminate? That's the real thing. But um, if Tucker was comfortable asking him whether a formal attempt on his life was coming, which he did, I wish he would have asked, you know, what makes your team confident that you can overcome everything that is still in your way in 2020? What has changed for your prospects? Because if he wasn't running, if he wasn't declared, do you really think that all these indictments would be coming his way? Do you think so? Because this is the last, the last uh, election cycle of his of his uh, his viability. So, do you think? So, it's a really great question. What what are your people say, saying as far as the system? What is going on there? 
because all that stuff is still in your way, including the judges who don't care what Trump talked about when they made comments about 2020. So what has changed for you? Or is this one of those things where just for self-preservation purposes, you have to be out there in the public and you have to be out there on the on the campaign trail? Is this just one of those things where he's safer campaigning than he is retreating to Mar-a-Lago? Would they still be pursuing him? What do you think? I, I know revenge is a great motivator, and I'd be totally motivated by all that. I mean, uh, no doubt about it. It was an interesting conversation. Love to hear what you guys and gals think about that. Um, and we will see what kind of media is made available to us on in the second half of the show. People in Gilded, just you know, link me, tag me in Gilded in the main chat whenever we have media or whatever from the courtroom in Georgia, and I'll keep checking in for those mug shots that uh, everybody's looking for. Take a listen to this. Um, here's our strange moment with Ron DeSantis. Trump War Room tweeted this out, said Ron had to check out the rest of the stage to decide whether or not to raise his hand. Pathetic. And it is. It really is pathetic. Listen, listen to the question and you see. You all signed a pledge to support the eventual Republican nominee. If former President Trump is convicted in a court of law, would you still support him as your party's choice? Please raise your hand if you would. Okay, so uh, it's it's pathetic. Okay, it's so great. So Ramaswamy, he did the right thing. He was the first one up. I mean, he, all all of the buttons that he could push last night, all the plays he can make, he played his cards very well. Um, if he was going to win the nomination from the kiddie pool, I don't know what this does. Maybe he becomes if if Trump is actually able to pull this off and slay the dragon somehow. I think he'd be a pretty good uh, press secretary. He definitely has press secretary uh, mojo, no doubt. But um, but he throws it up first, then Snow Miser Chin throws it up, and then it's Tim Scott and uh, whoever else is hanging on to the ledge of the, the stage over there. Then it was Mike Pence, and it was, when, it was when Ron looked over to see everybody raising his hand, then he did it. Chris Christie, he's a lawman. So he wasn't going to move, no. Integrity. That is so pathetic. You can't, you can't, I don't know. I don't know. Pack it in. That one moment right there just shows so much character. Or lack thereof. Um, here's another strange moment. It's a 19, se- or, or I don't know what, what clip this is. It's actually a five second clip. I guess he's uh, finishing up one of his speeches or statements and he's saying, I'm never going to give up on you or whatever. And look at the face. There's something that goes on in this man's face. Ron DeSantis, watch this. And I will not let you down. And I will not let you down. What is... What is... What is this? First of all, he should have gone full-on Rick Astley. He should have went Rick Astley with this just so he would have been able to show some personality. I'm never going to give you up. Never going, you know, he should have done that. But um, then then with this face, he's got four or five competing facial expressions and emotions trying to win out all at once. There is an attempt at a smile. There's sadness in his eyes. There's something I, I, I don't know what it is just yet, but there's there's so many competing emotions trying to become the predominant. I, 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 
let's just one more time. And I will not let you down. Look, I, I, I don't know. Uh, it, it almost looks like he swallowed. Maybe he like he swallowed a chili pepper, and he just felt it fall down his throat. And he's getting ready for the pain. He's he's worried. There's something odd there. You know, I would have never caught that. So, people analyze every aspect of these things, and I'm, I'm grateful for them because then we get to talk about it. Um, let's see, what is this? Oh, we're, in the second half, we'll go through some clips of what's going on in Staten Island and all over New York City. Uh, our buddy Leroy, Leroy Press from Viral News NYC, he's been covering it all. I said we need to get a call with him on soon. In fact, I want to go out there and meet up with him and just be among this, this, uh, this kind of stuff. Look at the people that are there uh, outside of St. John's Villa, where migrants are being housed at the villa, right across the street from schools and all that stuff. Be safe. You need to control this conversation, and you let to know, and you need to let the mayor know that he has something to be afraid of. We do let the mayor know. So I'm telling you now that we need your participation. It's huge. It's huge. I'll just always remember, ladies and gentlemen, I understand. Listen, I'm from New York. I understand um, anybody who lives in a, uh, in a state that's a, a shade redder than us is going to use us as a well-deserved punching bag. But you, you got to remember that even in the, that one armpit of the state that really solidifies its blue status, in there, there are tons of people with heart. Tons of people with heart. And the same is with California. Same all over the place. Proud people who are willing to, to, to make their voices heard in whatever capacity most suits them and, and uh, gets it out there. It's really great. And we'll see more of this in the second half. There is a another quick thing I wanted to do. Speaking of migrants, listen to this from CNN. The Justice Department sues SpaceX and Elon Musk, or just SpaceX, I guess, alleging discriminatory hiring practices. Against whom, you might ask? U.S. Justice Department has filed a lawsuit against SpaceX, the Elon Musk-run rocket and spacecraft company with extensive government contracts for allegedly discriminating against refugees in its hiring process. The suit claims that from at least September 2018 to May of 2022, SpaceX routinely discouraged asylees and refugees from applying and refused to hire or consider them because of their citizenship status in violation of the Immigration and Nationality Act, according to August 24th DOJ news release. So the DOJ is going after SpaceX for not hiring fucking migrants over citizens who are capable Man, 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 man. It's, um, it's, it's one of those things. All right. Well, uh, that's all we have for right now. I'll save everything else for later. Well, I'm going to set the stage for our guest tonight, Isaac Weishaupt. We'll have a nice little conversation sometime soon in the next couple of minutes. I hope you're here. And in the meantime, please hit the share button wherever you're watching. Hit the share button. Doesn't matter if it's live or otherwise. Hit the share button. And uh, let people know that we are live, especially the 15 to 2,000 people or so who still, um, you know, they are, they are YouTube regulars that probably think, what the hell happened? Help me. Help me put the bat signal up there and, uh, or the jester signal. And we will talk to you all soon. All right? Don't go anywhere. Be right back.
You let one ant stand up to us, then they all might stand up. Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. That's why we're going back. Does anybody else want to stay? Let's ride! thought they were going to hear Roachford tonight, huh? Welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. So happy to have you here. And I hope more and more of you are going over to quitefrankly.tv to watch there and uh, become a, a member of Pilled.net. There's a, a whole host of people that do wonderful shows on Pilled. Big and small, they're all there. So uh, check them out. All right, so what do we have? What do we have? Here's something I wanted to bring up with you all tonight, and it'll be a nice way to lead us to our guest, which is, uh, his name is Isaac Weishaupt, and he came suggested by this audience. I didn't know him prior to uh, booking him, and, and uh, tonight is going to be the first time we speak, and I hope it's a good time, because if it doesn't, if it doesn't end up being good, then he's going to have a big problem. But here is the, here's the headline that I'm going to lead with tonight. The headline is major population correction coming for humanity, scientists predicts. Oh boy. A little over two centuries ago, in the year 1800, roughly a billion people called Earth home. A century later, it has grown by another, it had grown by another 600 million. Today, there are around 8 billion people on the planet. That sort of growth is unsustainable for our ecosphere, risking a population correction that according to a new study, could occur before the century is out. The prediction is the work of the population ecologist William Reese from the University of British Columbia in Canada. He argues that we are using up Earth's resources at an unsustainable rate, and our natural tendencies as humans make it difficult for us to correct this, quote, advanced ecological overshoot. The result would be co- could be some kind of civilizational collapse that corrects I corrected them, sir. The world's population resets, one that could happen before the end of the century in a worst-case scenario. In such an event, even the richest societies would be completely vulnerable, Reese estimates. Uh, Here's a quote. Homo sapiens has evolved to reproduce exponentially, expand geographically, and consume all available resources, he writes in the published paper. For most of humanity's evolutionary history, such expansionist tendencies have been countered by negative feedback. However, the scientific revolution and the use of fossil fuels reduced many forms of negative feedback, enabling us to realize our our full potential for exponential growth. 
Reese points out that our dominance over the planet has made us forget that we are still governed by natural selection. What's more, our natural inclination towards short-term thinking, which served us exceedingly well in our evolutionary past, and, uh, continues to compel us to take as much as we can possibly when it's available. This has fueled the excessive consumption and pollution that, is portion, that a portion of the current world population is now responsible for, which is set to increase as financial security and population sizes increase, Reese argues. Increase where, though? Again, whenever we talk about overpopulation and these, uh, these ninnies that keep talking about how the, the world is too crowded and we're heading toward disaster if we don't find a way to curb births and get rid of whoever's uh, sucking on the teeth right now, blah, 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 blah. What are they always talking about? Well, we know that in the first world, in North America and Europe and Australia, it's all going downhill as far as populations goes. They're gone. In fact, this is the biggest selling point as to why we need the migrants, because we need to be able to replace the workforce that is just disappearing. But apparently, uh, the population keeps growing. How is that possible? Well, it's the population in places like Africa, in Asia, in, uh, in all the non-white places, which is why I always said that anybody who talks about overpopulation as a problem is a filthy, filthy racist because what they're talking about is how can we get non-whites to stop having children? There's just too many of them because we have been convinced a long time ago, either through ideology, politics, feminism, what you, it's all rolled into one thing now over there. And then, of course, environmental factors that we can, we can go on for, for days as to what the hell is going on in our toxic environment to get our sperm counts down and whatever else is discouraging us or disqualifying us from being parents, um, we're already out of the game. We're out, unless you're the Amish. The Amish, they, they continue to grow. They keep things in perspective. But uh, the Western world is, is out of the game right now. It can always turn around, but, but, but how? When? What's going to be the watershed moment? So it goes on to say that... Um, that there's just more and more here. Innovation can't provide solutions. Food shortages, habitat instability, war, and disease may well start to make an impact in population numbers, this study predicts. Oh. No, oh, there's, there's plenty. There's plenty here to be said. Um, what would make an impact on the population? Well, we're going to be talking about things like predictive programming tonight, um, a whole bunch of other things that uh, I think will be very, very uh, relevant to the world that we're living in right now. Our guest is Isaac Weishaupt. Uh, he is the host of Cult Symbolism and Pop Culture and of Breaking Social Norms podcast, author Dark of Dark Path and eight more other titles on aliens, Illuminati, and more. He's here with us tonight. It's his first time on, quite frankly, and I am so damn happy to have him here. What's going on, Isaac? Hey, what's going on? How you doing? Oh, I'm doing well. I'm doing real well. So let me just ask you, because this is the first time we're speaking. Um, Isaac, is that or or Weishaupt, Is this an assumed name given your affinity for Illuminati deep dives, or is this your actual last name? Uh, no, it is great question. Not my actual last name. You know, I started this journey in 2011. I was uh, I, I had what I call a two-stage red pill back in 2002. I read Bill Cooper's Behold a Pale Horse. Nice. Then around 2006, I watched David Icke's Freedom Road. Then I started reading David Icke books and so on. And then 2011, I started blogging, and I thought, well, 
Uh, in fact, what had happened was I was blogging. It started picking up some popularity. A radio show out of Oklahoma contacted me and said, hey, we want you on the show to talk some of these cons- wacky conspiracies. And I was like, uh, okay. <laughs> and they were like, what's your name? And I thought I had to think about it. So I got back with them and I told them that, that pseudonym of Isaac Weisop, which is a terrible name for anyone trying to get into conspiracy theories. Do not assume the name of the founder of the Bavarian Illuminati. Not I know. A good idea. I know you can't you can't you can't take on the name of the central architect of the great conspiracy, but it's a terrible uh, decision. But, but here I am. You know what? It's uh, it's one of those things, man. Uh, but it, it's great to have you on, and that's really cool. Um, that two thousand two, two thousand six. That I, I, it was really from nine eleven on, for me too. Um, it was just little dribs and drabs. I've always been really drawn to uh, mystical topics to uh, hidden history, things like that. I love that. I, I just love the idea of, of bloodlines and, and hidden royalty and, and artifacts, Indiana Jones type stuff, things that just, you know, they're out there, hidden in plain sight that have immense, immense power and importance that we got to rediscover and make sense of the past. Well, speaking of great conspiracies, I just read this article before I called you up of yet another group of scientists who are predicting a population correction, which is a reduction. Um, in your time analyzing media, pop culture, uh, where do you think this is really going to show its face? Everybody thinks that one thing or another, everything is working toward our eventual uh, elimination from the planet. But uh, what, do you think it's going to be more so an act, a physical act, or is it going to be more so a psychological uh, a psychological uh, act of psychological subversion to get us to remove ourselves from the equation. I think it's going to be digital, and I say this because that, you know, I, I got to give just a brief little background on who I am for for this to have any clout whatsoever. So, I I of course was definitely into the Matrix movies when they came out, and I was going to college. Uh, I started college in two thousand three for engineering. Uh, I made it all the way through the bachelor's math minor then grad school for systems engineering so i've got a strong scientific background uh so therefore i support science to an extent however it's hard to trust science uh, i would say it's almost impossible to trust science with the ideas of the corporate interests that have gotten involved with you know big pharma because these these companies they they pay scientists to find and manipulate data so that they're not technically lying, but they're being a little misleading so they can, you know, sell products. It's like when they say nine out of 10 dentists recommend it. Well, there's like, there's some, uh, some screwery in the behind the scenes where, you know, they might pick a hundred dentists and find nine and then they choose the sample size out of the 10 and say, okay, well, nine out of 10, but it's only nine out of a hundred. You get what I'm saying? Yep. So I, I, I do, I, I, I don't, deny everything science a lot of a lot of conspiracy guys get into this real anti-science no matter any science at all is fake news whatsoever and that's not me however if you dig into the uh the history of what i guess you would call like the technocracy a lot of these geopolitical leaders and you know think tanks and billionaires you know we're talking like the bill gates types folks um they are very much interested in changing the world and creating a new world. They are the sorcerers, which I'm, I'm sure we're going to get in to talk about the occult and ritual magic and that kind of thing, because that's what this is all about. And these people for many, many years, going all the way back to Jonas Salk, they have an obsession with this sort of, and it's satanic in the sense that the Church of Satan, Anton LaVey, supported ideas of social Darwinism, meaning 
uh, you know, might is right and the strongest, you know, guy on the block should dominate everyone else. And that's how a lot of these elites are. They think they are above us sort of, you know, uh, peons. But Jonas Salk was talking about this idea. He kind of let the cat out of the bag a little more than most uh, because I was watching a bunch of his interviews and I read one of his books. I, I don't remember the titles. I was I was researching um, I don't know what terms I can say and not say on here. I was researching the. Uh, you can go for it. The, we're not. Okay. In fact, in fact, we just got uh, suspended on YouTube for a week the other night, so we have less to worry about than we usually do. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I got kicked off there a while ago. I, I keep rebuilding like an idiot, trying to rebuild my YouTube channels. I don't know why I bother. But I was researching uh, big pharma topics, we'll say, and Jonas Salk, of course, comes up, and. I was watching a lot of his videos, read one of his books, and he supports this idea that a lot of these technocrats believe that science is going to solve every single one of our problems, which I do not agree with. I, I think science is a helpful tool for a lot of problems. It's not the solution to everything. And guys like Jonas Salk and these other elites, they think that human beings are, are uh, you know, like the Church of Satan, one of the 10 sort of commandments they have is that man is just an animal. And that's kind of what they subscribe to. And they think, look, all these people are sick in the head and they're going to ruin this planet. And they have a sort of disdain for humanity for whatever reason. I, I don't know what, what drives that exactly. But people like Jonas Salk, who called himself a biophilosopher, was often talking about how we're going to have population collapse over time. And, and a lot of people support that that are in his sort of uh, realm of elitism. And I think... They are going to try to push us into a digital matrix of source of sort, uh, and and I'm trying to I'm trying to not go too deep in the weeds on it, but I think the digital matrix is what they want for full control. It's kind of like if you lived in uh, Facebook land, where they can ensure that you don't say the wrong thing. Well, let me ask you wait, wait, the wrong opinion. Let me jump in. Let me jump in on that right there. In the matrix, everybody was in their pods. And they were given the programming to go and live this life in a fantasy digital world. And but but in in behind the scenes, um, in the actual real world where they are just sitting there in tanks, uh, they serve the purpose of powering the system through the 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 little bit the, the electrical current that we have coursing through our hearts and everything else in a nuclear. You know, uh, a post-nuclear holocaust, uh, there is no more sun. It is just the little batteries that are, is every human heart. If we are, if we are uh, slowly generationally uh, kind of lured into the the metaverse, what purpose are we serving there? Is it just mental input? Do you believe we're not we're not the batteries that they need? Well, why not just kill us all? Why would they want us digitally in there? Is it? Uh, or, 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 what do you think that is? I think they want I mean, I wish I could find a better answer than this, but I'm going to let it rip anyway, because this is what I th believe in. I believe that this comes down to a spiritual possession of sorts. Mm -hmm. They have this spiritual warfare thing where they are obsessed with embracing this archetype of Lucifer, this Prometheus idea. Uh, you know, that's what like the Frankenstein story is about. It's this idea that man using the, the magic or the technology of the gods given to them from Prometheus can create a better world or a better human. And what it boils down to is 
they want to replace God's design. And look, I'm a Christian, but like, I'm not that Christian. I don't go to church. I swear. I watch a bunch of horrible stuff. Like I'm, I'm a degenerate. So like, but I am a Christian. At least you put, at least you put it out there. Yeah. Yeah. I I always tell people, don't look at me. If you're trying to live a better life as a Christian, like I am not that guy. I do believe in Christ though. Um, So there is a worldview bias that I have, but I do say that it seems very clear to me that there is a spiritual thing that they have a disdain for, and, and this comes from all the occultists, from Aleister Crowley, the most famous one, uh, Helena Blavatsky, all these famous occultists that a lot of our, our current society is modeled upon their beliefs. They all had a specific disdain for Christianity. And look, there's a lot of things I don't even agree with with Christianity, with a lot of our, uh, uh, a lot of certain stances. But, you know, we don't need to get into that. But there, there's a, a clear, to me, a clear desire to get rid of God's creation of man and replace it with a a different form of humanity which would be which would make the scientists and the technocracy the new gods because that's what they want it's always about fueling their ego because they think they are gods so they want to create new life forms and I think they're really trying whether they know it or not or whether this is some kind of weird spiritual cosmic uh, you know cycle wrong that we do this over and over you know when you look at like Tower of Babel type stuff mm-hmm. That it seems like they're obsessed with creating a new version of reality where they can make an improved form of humanity, and and that's you know that's just science one on one. They constantly think that everything they do is going to make everything better, and it's not always the case. You're right, uh, and and honestly, that that's where I lean uh, when it comes to what that what that new. Uh, uh, that new altered humanity would be like. Uh, it's not so much I don't see them looking to keep everybody homebound, although um, getting people to stay home for certain periods of time, whether it be a climate emergency or a health emergency or whatever, that, that goes a, a long way in behavioral modification and making people realize that you need to obey authority and you need to st- stay in line. But as far as just being able to leave the house, I think that what, what we have been shown from the world government summits, everything that the WEF and all of their friends have been putting out there for a long time now, I'm very proud of it, is a a cybernetic human that has been altered, that is able to go out into the world with the technology in them instead of being in a place in a tub, uh, you know, just living out their lives inside of a, you know, a pink goo. Uh, it, it's not a locale. It is a... Um, it's really just the altering of man and just making reality augmented. So, um, so I, I guess, uh, I guess at that point it would just really be what kind of grunt work do they want the average person around to do? Because still, I, I guess they need somebody to work the factories, somebody to do, do menial tasks. But, um, I, uh, along the way they have to get rid a lot of a lot of waste. Yeah. They want, they want to take over our, our consciousness and sort of, I believe there's a Gnostic element to this. And when I say Gnosticism, I'm speaking about this. It was one of the early sort of competitors with what we know of today's Christianity. A lot of a lot. There's a growing movement of folks who thought that everything's inverted. God is actually the devil. God is actually what they refer to as the Yaldabaoth. And it was a sort of the, the true God is like this this sort of uh you know sky daddy but not the one that the christians believe in and this true god created out in the real version of heaven the pleroma created these different sort of uh, perfected pairs and one of these perfected pairs decided it was going to make a child and it made this thing called the yaldabaoth 
and it tried to hide this child from the the god the god and it kicked it out of the pleroma and this this sort of abomination child went on to create the world that we live in and that's what the gnostics believe and they believe that we're you know all religion is meant to worship the false god not the real god so and this and this shows up in a lot of occult symbolism like uh like the star sirius this mm-hmm. is, they call it the sun behind the sun and free uh, freemasonry and stuff like that but the the whole idea is supported by this simulation theory which you see a lot of people i think even elon musk was talking about that a lot of a lot of there was billionaires in silicon valley funding ways to try to understand if we are in fact living in a simulation so that they could crack the code uh and and i mean it's an interesting idea right but one idea because you're talking about i like what what's the end game do they want us just you know strapped in the room with uh vr sets on our head like if you've seen the movie surrogates with bruce willis i think that's a pretty good depiction of what they want us to sort of be uh uh led into and yeah. and and it's going to be alluring in fact i was just reading the other day there's an app where you can date an ai uh you know boyfriend girlfriend or whatever of course you could never actually be with them physically but you could do the photos the texting have an actual emotional relationship with them and and that's going to become more alluring to people i i just don't know where the end game is but it seems very clear that they want to sort of push an ai version of reality and it's arguable that we're already in what they refer to as a hyper reality where it's not clear as to what world we live in like it used to be because you have so many things that can deceive us currently right now yeah. uh deep fakes uh and all this stuff right? well you know it's another thing there too that it's, it's become very apparent that the, uh, the the mechanization of childbirth is is all over the place now too so as far as keeping people uh trapped in vice and trying to keep them mollified in some way um uh drugged up any kind of feeling of even if it's just an artificial sense of companionship just to keep them going from one chapter of their life to the next and fulfilling whatever role has been cut out for them in their specific cast because we're looking at a cast system that's coming in again now too uh there is i mean how many times have we've seen it that they're creating uh, human embryos with more than two people's DNA. Then they're putting uh, fertilized eggs into these these nylons or not, not these uh, these latex sacks. Uh, they're growing a a sheep inside of a fake. I, I I don't know what the hell it is, but we're talking about these just artificial wombs, and it's totally uh, brave new world. So we know that that's happening at least. And um, as far as simulation theory boy we we jumped into the deep end of that one uh not too long ago maybe about a couple of months ago um because that's something else that uh, maybe you come out you come back on and we talk about that one night because that oh, yeah. is uh that's a big can of worms let me ask you this because you you brought up ritual before and i'm glad you brought up uh uh sulk as well because all we got as ch- as children was this guy was a a hero and he saved so many children's life because of the polio vaccine. And then the more you read about him, the more you're like, whoa, he said that? This sounds a little bit more like, you know, uh, it sounds a little bit more like uh, Huxley than it, it than Jonas Salk and, and all that. But um, who was just you know, driven to save children. But as far as the ritual goes and this whole idea of 
managing the population of the planet. I brought this up with a couple of different friends. Now I want to ask you, what do you think about the Georgia Guidestones destruction? Because I personally, I theorize that that explosion, which was immediately cleaned up, gotten out of there, no arrests, like it never, ever happened. I think that it was some kind of a symbolic marker for the end of a phase and like, hey, we, we told you long enough, and now just boom, and just some kind of a, a sacrifice, yes, of stone, but still just something violent, something ritualistic, something that calls attention to the entire thing. Um, what, what, what do you think about that? Uh, is there any kind, of, uh, any kind of significance to that over the, the, the events of the last couple of years? Man, that's that's actually a tough one. I don't I don't have any good theories on the Georgia the Georgia Guidestones. Uh, that is interesting. So you, so if I understand you correctly, you're saying that maybe that was sort of done in a ritualistic way, meaning the the elites who do want to reduce the population destroyed them in the sense that hey, we've warned you enough. Boom, let's get rid of those, and now it's on, and we're gonna and we're gonna make this happen. Is that kind of what you were thinking? It's something along the, the that lines, because you yeah. know you th- you think that there'd be a you think that there would be an arrest, and not only that, an investigation. Within 10 hours, they're lugging everything away like they're lugging away the steel in, in downtown New York after 9-11. Uh, it, it was just clean this place up quick. It was really incredible, yeah. especially an explosive uh, incident. Yeah, and the, la- the last few years has been really weird, obviously. Um, but to sort of riff on that idea, we, you know, from my vantage point, of looking at the world through this lens of the occult and rituals and symbolism and stuff like that. I believe that there's a lot of orchestrated psychodramas and and that's what a ritual is. It's, it's the idea that we're participating in a ritual, but not even really understanding that we are one of the most common sort of basic examples I could give would be how we build celebrities up. You know, every celebrity has their time when they are adored and cherished and, uh, they get all these fluff pieces written about them and the most flattering pictures. And then at a certain point, for whatever reason, whether they, I don't know, maybe stop doing what they're told to do or something, uh, we tear them down. And then it's this this whole fantasy destruction thing. And this is all, and you could fit in the Georgia Guidestones idea here. There's there's a ritual, like the sex and death ritual. They're obsessed with, with the, these elements. And you see these happen oftentimes in... Uh, like in movies like Eyes Wide Shut, you can see the the sex and death idea. Yep. Or you'll see the Yale skull and bones. They take their initiates and they put them in a coffin and it simulates death so that they can be reborn. And the idea is that it, it, it's like every, you know, every ritual has a few stages. There's this sort of isolation purification stage. Then there's the the sort of transition stage where the old way symbolically dies and then there's the new normal the the integration phase mm-hmm. uh, um and you know isolation for purification this this ties into alchemy and stuff but uh, w- again another common example you could use would be wearing masks right if you if you want to talk pandemic stuff which i do not but <laughs> <laughs> but but you know you could argue that because in freemasonry they wear a, a hoodwink mask over their eyes meaning that the initiate they're starting their journey and they can't see they're blind and then symbolically they go through the degrees of initiation and then at one at some point it's removed and now their eyes are open just like again to refer back to christianity in the bible 
that's what happens when you know Adam and Eve's their eyes are opened by the serpent because uh, all these things tie together and and that's what the purpose of a ritual is is to take people through a journey and I believe that a lot of the stuff we experience you, you could throw the Georgia Guidestones in there is part of some kind of ritual to make a change to the world to alter minds to to open people's minds to accept a new way of being that's why we got the I mean the you know the pandemic started what was it like I don't know March of 2020 and then within weeks of that we got the UFO disclosure oh yeah the government oh yeah I mean what are the freaking odds it's astronomical the at the time it didn't everything was crazy and I was just like wow this is really weird but looking back on it I think I mean that had to have been part of the the sort of play and now we're watching this slow rolling disclosure and and I've got my own ideas about aliens and UFOs and the disclosure uh, I certainly don't know the answers but I do believe there's an interdimensional element there and they're they're trying to sort of slowly ritualize the masses to understand the nature of this very strange concept of quantum physics and such I, it, it, I, I'm that's a really interesting prospect there and I want to get into interdimensional stuff soon um, I have a couple other questions here that I had just on that alone but there's a super chat that came in from Dan Schumann is it Frank ask him if he thinks that digital IDs combined with CBDCs will be the mark of the beast since we're talking about you know matrixes and all that stuff this is the digital currencies and um and, and like biblical prophecy they they have been pretty strongly linked together and i wonder what you think about that man i, I could it be i mean sure but we've we've had ids a long time we've had i'm in fact my very first uh formulation thought about conspiracy theories was when i was a kid they had these little pamphlets at the grocery store and it, the one I read was about how social security numbers all had three sixes in them and mine does. And I thought, well, that's crazy. Right. <laughs> and well, mine doesn't, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, that wouldn't work for everybody. <laughs> I know, yeah. It doesn't work either. Uh, but, but as a, as a boy, like I was like, Whoa, that's crazy. You know? And, and I, I sort of attribute that as my first entry into the conspiracy world. But I mean, it's arguable that, this is the and look i did a whole thing about cryptocurrencies there there were advantages to them now i think it's a like the ultimate surveillance and tracking tool is it going to be the mark of the beast to you know unleash the gates of hell i i don't know i i always resort to in, in orthodoxy that's, i'm a greek orthodox christian uh, i've asked my priest about this stuff all the time because i'm always interested in the apocalypse i like the real me the too real scary I, stuff I, me too i love it I don't know why. He, I don't know why either. I'm drawn to the darkness too. So he said, he said, look, man, you know, and I subscribed to the daily readings for many, many years. And he said, you'll notice in the daily readings, we never read from the book of Revelation. And I was like, yeah, so. And, and he said, he said, that's because ultimately you have to sort of give up this idea of, of foretelling when the end times are going to happen. All you got to worry about is trying to be prepared for what it, if it happens when you're around which I know that's kind of a flaky answer, but that's that's what he told me, and that's why I try not to get too wrapped around the axles on prophecies of doom, uh, because a big issue that's been happening in the last few years in the world of conspiracy theory is a lot of black pill territory, meaning it's 
when I started conspiracy theory stuff, it was interesting, intriguing. It was more along the lines of ancient aliens where it was like, wow, that's a really cool idea. Let's talk about this idea. Interesting. What Maybe that falls into this, that, and the other. And it got really dark. And now it's become this sort of like, well, what are we going to do about it? You know, and it's like, right. oh, boy. I, I, and well, look, I don't know the answer. I mean, it's hard for me to sit here and say, yeah, I think there's an Illuminati, a cabal of, of tech, technocrats that want to put us in a digital matrix and kill us because they hate God. And and then say, but just just think about that and have a good time. Like, I don't know. I don't know oh, what the I, answer is. But. I know there, there there is a there is something there that. Um, you know, it's it's almost like the the, the tur- who, What's the turtle's name from Never Neverending Story? What the, what's the turtle's I, I, name? I haven't seen that in so long. It's the turtle's name that was a, just a big Debbie Downer. You want to talk about the black pill turtle? It's just like <laughs> nothing is no. Don't worry, it, it doesn't matter. You know all that shit. You know, anytime you're on a really really hot line of of of, of thinking, you're connecting dots, and all of a sudden you just get in the comment somewhere ellipsis, and nothing's gonna happen. Like oh. Or maybe not, but geez, can you just can you stay up, keep it up? But you know, let me talk about this because uh, synchro mysticism, synchronicity. We're talking about the, the the ways the the little bit more subtle ways that we are communicated with. How you know that whole revelation of the method thing is is played out. Media messaging. As someone who pays attention to this full time, like you are, how do you separate creative writing? from predictive programming at this point because obviously to hook people in you got to do you know disasters are a big thing uh threats from out of space uh, a bio a contagion of some sort but how do you how do you really go about separating what is just good old creative writing from predictive programming well i think and we can talk about the ideas of synchro mysticism or the twilight language they call it uh and and let's start with talking about symbols because because I do want, this is a good question because I do think that on some levels there might be Hollywood studios that are negotiating with the FBI and the CIA to sh- to show the masses some kind of disaster to prepare us for when it does happen aliens is a great example I, I think there's a lot of connections there to be had between aliens and UFO films with what they're preparing us for in the future and it seems like most of them are showing us that these aliens are super dangerous and we need to have a massive weapon system in place for the cosmic war Mm -hmm. or whatever but so i do believe that that is an element but i also believe in and this goes into maybe maybe some twin peaks realm that artists they do in fact channel and make contact with some kind of creative element some kind of creative force they uh like you know david lynch's daughter wrote secret diary of laura palmer and she said that she sort of more or less channeled a lot of the the story and and you hear this a lot from the artists you know ozzy osbourne from black sabbath did it. a lot of a lot of uh, famous singers they'll channel lyrics so i do think there's an element of them being used as conduits right and this all ties into ideas from carl Jung and sigmund freud because they studied a lot of ideas behind symbols that speak to our subconscious. It's it's a, a different sort of language. And Carl Jung, by the way, was a Gnostic, which was you know what I was talking about earlier. But they know that, in terms of the the art of alchemy, that symbols can be accessible to all of us, and it ties us to this sort of 
collective unconscious idea and you know you take this a step further with synchronicity which is the idea that symbols and ideas will guide someone throughout their life to achieve a higher purpose or, or whatever um and, and there's lots of you know subjects that this ties into you know plato was talking about this kind of thing with he called it the archaic remnants a lot of alchemists were into this kind of thing but this is where a lot of the ideas of predictive programming come into play that you know when you see the simpsons they had that episode where bart was looking at a magazine cover and it said you know 9-11 or had the twin towers collapsing or something like that and a lot of people nine dollars and 11 cents <laughs> yeah yeah with the twin towers on the cover right yeah or they, no, or nine or nine cents with the twin towers as the as the eleven. I think it was like yeah something weird. But it, yeah, yeah, a pretty famous image, right? And a lot of people point to that and say, "See, they knew." Like Matt Groening, the you know thirty third degree Freemason, he knew about it. And I mean, sure, that's that's one possibility, but it's also possible that people can be in contact with things that haven't happened yet. Um, and and Jacques Vallee, he's a famous UFO researcher. He talked about in, I don't remember which book, one of the books, about string theory, which is, and string theory is, is from how I can understand it with my simple brain, is the idea that connects uh, Newtonian mechanics, Newtonian physics with quantum physics, you know, and what we're talking about is the, the macro to the micro, the, the cosmos to the atomic level. Because that's a that's a big problem in physics is that the laws of what happens on planetary motion turns out they're not the same when you get down to the level of the molecular structure of the atom. So there's this idea in science of string theory, and Jacques Vallée described it as a a creator rewriting the software of our world and it manifesting um, in the physical reality in the material realm. Which you know that that's the sort of angle I think is going on with the aliens. Mm. But this this is this is the idea of the synchronicity and it's the idea of ritual magic and it's 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 the concept that through the right rituals and the usage of the correct symbols you can manipulate the the cosmos um and it's called the hermetic action called as above so below a lot mm -hmm. of people have heard of that it's the idea that you can make changes on the, the universal level and those changes will ripple down into our world and that's what a lot of elite folks would would say they would use that for for like alchemy of uh, man becoming his own god um so i do think that it's possible that you put enough energy into an idea or a symbol and it can manifest in other ways uh, that's why i like i'll give you a, a, a example that doesn't sound crazy a sort of self-fulfilling prophecy Yes, in a way, right? Like, yeah. like I try not to think too many negative thoughts because I, I, I do have a belief that sort of like in the law of attraction, new agey belief that if you try to stay positive, align with, you know, the, the I guess like white magic or whatever, if you align to positive um, energy that you'll get that back. And if you align with dark energy, you get that back. And that's why, that's why I try not to get people to go down the black pill path because... I just think like it begets more anger and 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 divisiveness, and I just I just don't think that's helpful, you know. No, I'm uh, yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. Uh, frequency is a huge, huge fre frequency and vibration is huge, and the fact that we are 
we are able to actually switch between frequency with what we broadcast based on the thoughts and the feelings that we charge those thoughts is, is incredible. Whereas the tuning fork stays at F sharp, we can go wherever the hell we want. So um, that it puts a very high premium on on free will, and it's another reason why, as you said, media control is so important for hijacking people's you know reality creating mechanisms. And that's a that's where we are right now. And it brings us right to this other thing that happened in in uh, late July when they had the dual release of both the Barbie and the Oppenheimer movie, and it created the Barbenheimer meme. It was a big thing for a couple of weeks, and. Um, and we did a show on that with Ryan Gable, and we were talking about the symbolism in uh, in both things, and and of course what it could be what it could be conveying to the world. But it was more so the atomic age symbolism, and um, you know I, I guess speaking of speaking of nuclear holocausts, have you done any dives into the nonstop chain of deadly fires all over the world since the late July? I know that that we've we had Canada and a few other things going on, but since that July's release, I mean Maui, the Canary Islands, California, more in Canada, all over Europe. I mean, it's, it's as if somebody dropped the bomb on the entire planet. It's it's, it's really something else. But um, but yeah, uh, any, any thoughts on? On the, these latest releases and what do you think they, they tell you, especially from the Oppenheimer standpoint, because you know that is a direct link right to Twin Peaks. And, uh, <laughs> right. you know, I, I'll take that rope any day. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I, I, I've seen both of the movies and my my first theory, um, I'm trying to figure out a way to 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 do this because it took me about four hours to get through both of the films on my podcast. The the one concept we could pull from it would be the reconciliation of opposing forces as a concept you see with it's it's you know in ch- the church of satan they have that that goat with the boobs the the baphomet mm-hmm. a lot of people are familiar with that that's the symbol of the reconciling of opposing forces of male and female and i don't think it's a coincidence that barbie which is clearly a feminine movie and oppenheimer which is i don't want to say clearly a masculine movie but it is after you watch it um those were the opposing forces and and they they stand up to the archetypes oppenheimer is about uh, fire masculine warfare death destruction and barbie is more of the opposing force of the feminine nature and trying to um find harmony is the idea Mm. and it's interesting that these two movies would happen especially because when you watch Barbie, it's actually about manifesting the goddess energies of the feminine into our world. Because you'll notice, I'll give you one example. In the movie, the the reason... Okay, so Barbie, played by Margot Robbie, is in Barbie land. And then there's the real world. And in the real world, this, the, the secretary at Mattel, she's drawing Barbie without knowing that there's a Barbie alive in Barbie land and she's singing a song uh, I don't know the name of the song or nothing but she's singing a song while she's drawing it and if you watch the movie from with that sort of knowledge you'll see that Barbie in Barbie land is driving with a Corvette to cross over into the new world into the real world and she's singing the same song and the idea is that the secretary manifested this goddess energy from the other world into the real world which as I, I'm sure you know, because you mentioned the Twin Peaks thing, there is 
a an element of Oppenheimer and the atomic bomb that plays into that uh, because because of the trip. So where they first where they first uh, in 1946 when they conducted the the bombing the atomic test at the Trinity site. Right after that, I think it was within days, there was actually a UFO that crashed there. I interviewed um, uh, Paulo Harris. Her and Jacques Vallée wrote a whole book about investigating the Trinity UFO. That was actually the first UFO. A lot of people thought it was Roswell. Turns out we had uh, retrieved a crash earlier than that, and it happened right after the, the bomb went off. And a lot of people think about Jack Parsons because Jack Parsons was doing rituals to draw in the the feminine goddess Babylon through these rituals he called the Babylon workings and Aleister Crowley infamously thought Jack Parsons hadn't closed off the portals correctly and this was also in 1946 yeah this is that's why a lot of people uh, a lot of people have have theorized that when Jack Parsons was trying to reincarnate the moon child uh, it was done right around the time that Hillary Clinton was born and she actually is the moon <laughs> child so it, it, we thought if Parsons was <laughs> was responsible yeah. for Clinton well, have you ever seen the the pictures of uh, Barbara Bush George Bush, George yep. Jr's mother yep and she was close she had I don't know less than six degrees of separation to Aleister Crowley and people claim that uh, she was the child of Aleister Crowley uh, I don't know if that's true but she sure as hell does look like him so uh, there's something to be had there yeah. but anyway there is this whole and, and if people watch Twin Peaks they'll know that there's a, a scene in season three that basically he, he laid it out there he showed us that the the Trinity testing this scene, opened man. up some gateways this scene is the most incredible five minutes that's that's ever been on on television. I swear to God, I uh, I agree. I you know I watched Oppenheimer. I I damn near walked out of the movie after the explosion. I was like, you got to be kidding me. That was because I had I had I, I just started watching Twin Peaks about six months ago, and I've been through the whole the whole series three times so far, and yeah, season three, episode eight is like. It'll just melt your brain. And then I went and seen Oppenheimer in the theater waiting for, like, I was waiting for it. I was like, oh, here we go. And it was, like, kind of weak in my opinion. I was like, man, David Lynch would have been real sad when he watches this. But, <laughs> but, but yeah, there, but it, there's it, a lot but, of interesting ideas with that atomic, because they talk about that in Oppenheimer, too. They say, look, there's a chance that this could ripple through the atmosphere and basically burn up the whole world. You know, that was one idea that they had. If the atmosphere can catch on fire. Itself, yeah, uh, yeah, and and then there is the, but but then again, like you said before, since we're talking occult and we're talking about what's what's going on here, what is, what is that thin, what is that veil that separates us from whatever the hell else is on the other side? And apparently, there's a lot. Uh, what what can be done with that? And um, you know, there is a with uh, that Oppenheimer quote when he's talking about the, uh, he's talking about the the Hindu scriptures about. These references to there being an ancient atomic age, where this was only the first, uh, the first bombs, explosives of their type that was created in like modernity, and you wonder, you wonder how far go, uh, how far back that really was, how many great resets there has been since that time, if it isn't uh, figurative and is actually literal, and how many, how many. Uh, 
how responsible is that for many of the biblical battles that we talk about so much where, you know, heaven and hell are just going at it with each other in a very kinetic way, not in a, an ethereal way, that it was a real kinetic battle. And uh, how did those doorways open up and, and, and what introduced those heavenly hosts over here into our little Petri dish? So I, I love thinking about that stuff. And, and then, of course, who closed the gate? You know? I don't know what they're doing. <laughs> yeah, the, the whole the whole that that concept. There was a time in my life not too long ago where I would say that people like Graham Hancock were quacky, and the idea of previous, you know, uh, li- uh, what would you call it? like uh, previous civilizations was kind of too far out there. But if there's anything I do know now, um, and that's where I'm at today, at least. If there's anything I do know now is that. The people who say they've got it all figured out, they, they want so bad, they, meaning the power structures, the institutions, the elites, the Illuminati, the government, the scientists, even religion, you could throw that in there too. Like, why not? Let's throw religion in there too. There is a desire to convince us, everyone wants to convince us they've got it figured out. Like, oh, no, we've got it all figured out. And there's, they always get proven wrong. And, and I, I find it really hard to believe that we haven't done this before in some way like we we haven't already played with this fire and destroyed the world in some form or fashion uh i i don't know and and to pl- to talk about the idea of where that veil is when you look at the this and then this is relevant because of the maui fires everyone's talking about lasers and frequencies and things if you look at the spectrum of electromagnetism the visible light spectrum is is but a sliver I mean, just a sliver. And on, on the one side of the sliver, you've got uh, UV and gamma. And, you know, with the right technology and science, we can sort of detect those rays and, and quote-unquote, see them. Mm. But, I mean, we're talking about a piece of sliver on top of a sliver out of this huge field of, of electromagnetism. So, I mean, Lord knows what's in the rest of this thing. So I, I find it hard to be limited to think that aliens would be extraterrestrials from another planet and... Uh, I think David Grush, that whistleblower, has been basically saying he's he's basically saying that this is what's really going on. And I wrote about this in my books, Aliens, UFOs, and the Occult. That I talked about the Collins Elite, for instance. Okay. Uh, and Nick Red Nick Redfern wrote about that. I'm not trying to like jack his research, uh, but in- interesting story he laid out about the Collins Elite, which is to sum up very quickly is. At the Pentagon, some people were investigating people like Jack Parsons, who were they heard they were opening up portals to the devil, let the devil in and stuff. And they, over all these years, were the voice of reason in the Pentagon to tell the 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 Department of Defense, hey, maybe don't mess with this stuff because there's some spiritual element to it. And it's alarming because if you listen to Lou Elizondo, who's one of the main figures behind the latest you know UFO disclosure thing. He said that uh, because he worked in the Pentagon, right? He was part of the what do you call? It? They changed the names so many times. All SAP or ATIP yeah, like or that. whichever group he was a part of. He he said in interviews, he said, "Look, we had some old fogies into the Pentagon. They were worried that we were going to summon the devil, and you know they're kind of out of the picture now. And now we're able to really, you know, really look into this stuff. And that's pretty alarming when you look at what Nick Redford was saying about the Collins elite." Uh, have you ever been able to uh, talk with Nick Redfern? 
No, I haven't. I, I should try to. I don't do a lot of guests on my show because I, I find myself so busy doing my own research, and it's not like, it's not like, uh, oh, screw guest. It's more of, uh, you know, I've got so many topics I'm trying to learn about. No, I get you. It's hard to squeeze them in, you know. I've read so much of what he's put out there, too, and I've heard him on all types of shows, on Coast to Coast, on different revivals of Art Bell shows and all that. Uh, it re- really, uh, I, I love his work. That, that you know, You're talking about talking with your priest about Revelation and wanting to get to the good, you know, the good uh catastrophe uh stories inside of the faith that is the same reason why i look i listen to you know mysteries of the unknown anywhere i can get them and i uh i i love that but so uh real quick on all this then with the the ufo disclosures in that are taking out taking uh place on uh capitol hill uh this grush guy um Luis Elizondo, your you, you know red flags with them with their stories. You you actually are you because a lot, a lot of people are tossing them to the lions as far as you know the the believability and whether or not they are part of some kind of an op right now. Um, you you, uh, you feel they're credible. It seems. I don't know if I would say they're. Cre- I don't really know, man. I I really don't. Uh, I've talked the and the reason I say that because you know Grush has that connection. A lot of these folks have been ties to the intelligence communities yeah. Yeah. which is huge red flags um because th- they've done a lot of psyops on the american public so i don't know what he's supposed to do with that uh but i've talked to some people who you know i only have so much time in my day to research aliens and ufos when i'm researching the occult and movies and things like that and i've talked to some people who seem to say they're pretty legit so that people that i would trust as, as a decent source I, I don't know what to believe. I really don't. Um, the whole the whole thing has 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 my head spinning. Um, I'm not sure what to believe. I'm like many conspiracy people out there who who said, oh, man, aliens are real. And, I, and I've always sort of been more of an interdimensional camp instead of extraterrestrial camp. Right. But regardless, I'm like, yeah, the government's been lying to us. They found stuff at Roswell. And they've been lying to us for 80 years or whatever it is. And now they're like, now they're trying to sort of do this soft disclosure rollout. And, uh, you know, you, you want to not believe it. You want to say, well, wait a minute. You guys have been lying to us. What are you lying about now is what you want to think. And, yeah. And. And and it, there is deception in there still. Like they, like I've, I've followed a lot of the UFO congressional hearings, and and it's a lot of, it's a lot of nothing. I mean, I'm like, bro, let's let's pull out the the remains of the UFO crash. Like, let's see what's going on for real. And 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 we're it feels like we're just moving at a snail's pace, which is such a tease. And that's I don't why even, I, think I don't even watch them anymore. Psyop. Yeah, I, I don't I don't even watch them anymore. I just wait for somebody to report on it uh, to see what the highlights are, and then uh, you know I just give it a look yeah. through, and and that's it. Uh, well, you know, one last thing I will say is um, just talking about synchronicity and talking about whether you know the kind of messaging and uh, how our consciousness is is becoming. Uh, conditioned to go in one direction or another. Uh, as far as occult symbolism goes, uh, embedded in pop culture and all that, it is becoming more and more overshadowed by outright systemic demon worship. I mean, it's a. Uh, we needed to be a little bit more. It was a lot more, a lot harder for people to tell someone like you. Oh, I think you're. I think you're reading into this a little bit too much. But now, when we have now when we have these. Uh, 
after school Satan programs. Uh, the one that we just read about last week about um, how parents at another after school program or whatever were in, were encouraging their children to uh, summon uh, whatever demon they have in their life to find out what their demon is and 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 they do like playful demon summoning. So uh, you know it, it's becoming a little bit more of a I, I don't even know what the what our jobs are going to be like. Uh, sometime soon, I think it's just going to be sword and shield. Yeah, the, well, the the pop culture is definitely leaning in hard on this this devil worship stuff. You see, the uh, Doja Cat, I've followed her since she first uh, started becoming popular, and uh, her latest is to emulate this alter ego of hers called Scarlet, which is you know a reference to the Scarlet Woman, the whore of Babylon, which is also part of the the. the the psychodrama of trying to bring about the apocalypse or the the unveiling but she is not hiding it at all she's got just tons of satanic symbolism in her videos and uh she's starting her tour on the the occult holiday of uh Samhain, which is you know halloween october 31st she's got videos where she's you know cutting open people and playing with blood and yeah. guts and stuff i mean it, it's wild and then uh, even Young Thug, the rapper who's on trial, there was this. Um, uh, what was it? There was there was some kind of evidence introduced about how that his defense lawyers didn't want to introduce to the the jury about how either him or one of his associates was sacrificing goats, uh, arguably to the devil. Right? I don't right. I don't know what the the religious significance was for them. I mean, I think they do that with. Uh, some elements of voodoo or Santeria because that uh, what was her name Azalea Banks that rapper she openly was doing that kind of animal sacrifice stuff uh, and then of course the the sort of the most famous example is Travis Scott at the November twenty one concert absolutely he was pushing I mean he had symbols of like this portal and. Uh, and look, I try to be the rational conspiracy guy, and I think sometimes truthers get a little overzealous with stuff. But th this is one case where it absolutely blew my mind. It, it had he had this portal, and the the show began with a dove on fire coming out of the portal. He had a shirt on that had this logo he had made of a guy in blue going through a portal, and on the other side he comes out red with horns on his head. And he had he had all this satanic symbolism at the concert. And, you know, you could argue that he didn't understand what was going on with the people that were dying in the crowd. Uh, I've seen video footage supporting both angles, and it's really hard to tell because I wasn't there. But the, the, the concept still existed that he, in fact, did have satanic symbolism there. I don't know. Was it a satanic ritual to sacrifice kids to the devil? I mean, I don't know that. But it's at least worth questioning. It's at least worth looking at because he's given us symbolism over the years. I had written many articles about the guy before this happened, uh, him pushing symbolism of, of alchemy. There's one video he has where he's doing the Freemasonic grand hailing sign of distress while he's on fire and he's wearing an inverted pentagram shirt. Uh, you know, and he's done a lot of symbolism that he was already on my radar. And then that happened. And I, of course, did a podcast about it. Newsweek actually picked up on it and they wrote an article and, and, and mentioned my my research on there. That must have been very friendly. Uh, a lot of people. What's that? That must have been very friendly coverage. I remember when they when the uh, the media was. Uh, there were there were all there was a full court press of coming down on anybody that was trying to find Satanism in any of these performances. 
yes, they're still they're still doing this uh, satanic panic stuff. And I true those elements exist. Some people are kind of pushing satanic panic things. I do not. I, I don't try to at least. And it was funny to me because I thought, man, this Travis Scott's going to get canceled, right? I thought this is it for him. But then he, um, you know, he he sort of wrote it out, and he's you know more popular than ever. In fact, he had a concert. He released an album called Utopia recently, and he had a concert scheduled in Egypt at the pyramids. Of course, that's very occult related. But the the people of Egypt, some outfit over there, uh, canceled it. They said, "No, we're not going to let this guy on here. He's push. He does a lot of satanic stuff, and we're not letting him play." And his record label try to spin it to make it sound like that's not what they said but i've seen the the news video clip of his of the people in egypt saying like no this dude's like satanic we're not letting that in here and and his label and rolling stone and all and of course you know the media it's all bought and paid for like they're all pushing the narratives of no 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 that's not what it is and it's like dude why 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 were they trying to save this guy you know what i mean like don't cancel anybody they love a good cancel story well well that's why i i ultimately think that yes some of them out there are have have you know as uh, malachi martin would say are perfectly possessed that they have given themselves over they understand what they're in in for and they understand what the uh you know what the overall goal is and they want to advance that in some way and they're totally fine in whatever i think other people are good with the financial and the the social success the fame and are really good order followers like I, I don't know how articulate someone like Travis Scott is about the tenets of Satanism or Crowley or anything else or Blavatsky or uh, who knows what how learned he really is but uh, somebody's telling him how to pose somebody's dressing him somebody is designing what the concert is going to be all about and how it's produced um, you know the blocking for everything the, the, the all of the, the graphics and and uh, so I don't know how involved someone like that is, but um, it's very important. And and as far as the media goes, it's obviously very important to maintain this in very, very public view without people looking a little bit too deep into what it all actually is. It should it just needs to be taken as provocative performance art. And um, and that's what it always comes down to. Hey, these are young young artists they're always going to try to be edgy and provocative and and get kids riled up and whatever but it's just this is uh i don't know i I think it's like you said it's a little bit more too overt now yeah i I it feels a little different to me too yeah i'm with you on that well isaac it's been great to meet you and i'm I, i hope we can do this again because like i said we can do simulation theory there's plenty of other things that are popping up all the time uh in the meantime why don't you let people know where they can find all of your work i have your url in the description of this episode but when do you go live when do you upload your podcast tell them how to find you yeah thanks for having me on i appreciate it yeah i'd love to come back i could i could talk matrix simulation theory anything uh i i do a podcast called occult symbolism and pop culture get it wherever you do podcasting my website is illuminatiwatcher.com where you can find details on pretty much everything and uh i've written nine books they're all on amazon and audible i narrated all of them well except for one except for the first one on audible uh, under my name Isaac Weishaupt, which is not my real name. That's my writer's name. So don't be remember. Mad at me. Just remember. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me on. I love to come back. Uh, well, this has been great. Thanks again, man, and have a good night. Cheers. You too. All right. Take care. There he goes. There goes Mr. Weishaupt. All right. So, ladies and gents, we are going to be right back. And uh, in the meantime, you know, I'm going to go and uh, 
and uh, refill my water and and uh, I've been drinking a lot so I have to I have to hit the head and what I'll do is I'll actually play for you because especially since we're not on YouTube I'll play for you the four minute 56 second uh, Trinity test scene from Twin Peaks season three that came out in 2017 and they have the Trinity to the uh, victims of Hiroshima playing in the background. It's very chaotic, but it goes deep into like, what happened. What doorways could have been opened up? What was really, what happened? Well, any, either way, I saw the first time we saw this, we were a little stoned, and I almost was like, I, I may have to pause, pause this and just watch it when I'm a little bit more chill because it was just too much. But anyway, uh, I need an extra four minutes, so you guys enjoy yourselves, and I will be right back.
It's intermission time, folks. Time out to press the like button. Thank you. Ladies and Another front, there is no word on a mugshot, says the Gilded. And the circus is just in full swing. That's that's from Casey Kakalaki in the uh, in the Gilded. Let me go to the, the dreaded drudge report. They're always looking for the prime time. Trump surrenders in Georgia at 7.30. Shakes up legal team. Historic mugshot. Court cams approved. Well, where are they? What court cameras? If there's a live, if there's a live link, then by all means, let me know. Uh, let me know, and I will. Uh, I'll throw it up. If we can just peek in on it. Other than that, um, I would love to take some calls. I'm going to go to the super chats right now. Stostube is the first one up on quite frankly superchat.com says F the YT just saying love checking out all the other chats great to see all the frankly peeps out there yes they are beautiful aren't they I love them I really do car guys car guys New England says DeSantis looked like his pupils were slits and that weird short clip of him awkwardly smiling says that he would never let us down it's so weird what kind of emotions were you dealing with there? You say something like that in a political speech, the the normal thing to do is just smile. Smile or look determined. Um, Windy Waugh says, Your interview with Tristan Gooley was great. It rekindled my interest in getting out onto the trails again. I'm going to be looking around more and more and a little deeper. 
Yeah, read some of his books. Read some of his books because um, it's it's incredible what we don't even know to look for. Is that it? Is that really his? Uh, is that really? Is that really the uh, the mugshot? Hold on. That's not really it. That can't be it. Hold on. Somebody just dropped it into the gilded. Doesn't doesn't look like it's real. First of all, he's got a smile. I really hope that he's he puts his most natural smile on. Uh, you, you have one shot at this, and you've got to smile. You can't look bewildered. You can't. You have to find a way. Find a way. Uh, let's go into the Rumble Rants. There's plenty over there. Okay, hold on. So we did Dan Schumann. Thank you so much for the CBDC comment. Uh, here's another one from Doomer Boomer. says, also, the Wes Anderson film that came out this year had atomic themes and UFO stuff. You see, think about it. We had plenty of things in the sky with the balloons and all that stuff earlier on in the year. And then and then the atomic, the atomic movie that came out with Oppenheimer and the fire. The fire's all over the place. I mean, uh... That one stretch of land in Maui looks like a uh, it, it, it looks like something out of uh, out of um, Hiroshima. It's just crazy how they tell you fire. They set the theme, and there it is. Uh, Dawn in Ohio says, "Great show, love Isaac Weishaupt." Yeah, I thought he was a pretty good guy, pretty pretty good guy to talk to. This first time uh, speaking with him, and I, I hope to have him back. What do you guys think? Dawn in Ohio again says, no mattress dreams, just 15 minutes cities with low ESG score. It takes two hours to walk to work. No other transport for low ESG people. I don't have digital bucks to buy a mattress, but I would. I'm trying to think about whether I mentioned mattresses in this show. I'm a little out of it right now because I don't feel too good. But that confused me. No mattress dreams. Just 15 minutes. Are you talking about weird? Because I asked about weird dreams the other night. So. Maybe that's it. Okay. Um, so I think that's probably from another night. Had to be. Oh, did I, I mention mattresses tonight? What did I say? Um, Frank got the new variant. I wouldn't be surprised. Whatever. I also wouldn't be surprised. I don't think it's... It can't be um, allergies. There's no allergies at this time of year. I've never had allergies in the, the end of summer. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised. I'm going to go and really load up on uh, supplements when I get home. And hopefully one more night's sleep will put this all behind me. Here's a little bit coming out of New York. Here's a little bit coming out of New York. This is by way of Leroy, Leroy Press. Residents of Staten Island, New York, speak out against migrants being housed at St. John's Villa. And then we'll take some calls. 914-595. I'm sorry. 914-200-0269. Listen to this lady. Hold on a second. Let me put myself up there and good. It's all a favor. 
take these motherfuckers. Oh, sorry about that. Put them on a bus. It's cheaper. Okay? Let's do the math. Send them to the ellipse between the monument and the White House. Um, they're unvetted. We don't know if they're pedophiles, rapists, murderers, drug dealers. We don't know who's coming in here. They're unvetted. They're unvaxxed. We don't know what diseases they're coming with. In a beautiful community, scares the life out of me. Uh, we're not going to stand for it. My daughter goes to school across the street. Um, I, I mean, this is this is fucking bullshit, to be honest with you. And Eric Adams doesn't give a shit about us. He doesn't give a shit about any Americans. It's America last, and that is how it's been since the mandate. They're doing this because basically Staten Island is a Republican island, and they're going to get back at us. I mean, bad enough there's a speed camera every five blocks. Now they're going to put the migrants here. Still we have to worry about our own people before we worry about these other countries. They can come in legally, but they got to come in legally, not not the way they're coming in now. Not happy, not happy at all. Uh, we, were, we weren't told about this. Uh, they, they, they lied to us. Uh, no matter what we did to ask, whether it was the politicians, maybe they didn't know, maybe they did, but no matter what happened, everybody was denying it to us. All we know is this mayor has to do something about this. The mayor is not going to do anything about it. I, I heard they put out a call for anybody who has room in their homes to open their doors to these people. The only thing there is to do is to get them onto buses and planes and get them out of the country. They should not be here. But out of all the hemming and hawing, the only thing that would never be suggested by someone like Eric Adams is that. Okay? Because this is about looking good, avoiding looking bad, and never crossing or touching the third rail. That's it. Can't go that far got to try to find a way to blame your your political opponents or whatever's left of them over there in new york uh it's just nuts but i i would i would be okay with that as a as a first landing ground to bring them all to the ellipse in washington dc why not it's federal territory federal grounds and they are part of a federal human trafficking scheme and they should be brought right there in washington dc so nancy pelosi has to literally step over rivers of piss as she walks to whatever, uh, you know, five-star restaurants that she goes to on K Street. Uh, they, they should, um, that's what it should be. There should be migrants sleeping and pissing all over the front steps of the, uh, of the Supreme Court. All over the place. Oh, the walls would go up so quick again. So quick. <clears throat> all right, let's take some calls. 914-200-0269. Take a couple of calls and then we are out of here. Um, what do you think about tonight's show? And whatever else is going on with you, I'm, I'm uh, interested to hear. Interested to hear, my friends. Call in 914-200-0269. We posted this to the... I've been getting some help posting to the Quite Frankly Telegram lately. Uh, John Carroll's been helping me post things. I said, listen, man, here's the kind of things I'm looking for. Uh, just, you know, have at it. Go ahead, get this thing active beyond just me posting live links and stuff like that. Um, and he's been posting really great screenshots from the boards, both classic and new, all that. And here's one thing that he posted today. I guess I'll, I'll just throw this out there and see what comes back in email so that we can talk about it at a future show. Um, 
a commenter on 4chan in August of 2021 says anything censored is true. Anything. Anything censored is true. It's just that simple. Nobody on earth has ever been scared of a lie overtaking the truth. It has always been considered as a normal part of the process. Censorship is to make sure the truth doesn't catch the lie. That is the purpose. That is the goal. Everyone and their dog knows this. Is that true? I think from an authority from an authority figure standpoint, definitely. But everyone, I mean, over the years, I've banned people from chats and comments just because, not because there is a, anything else going on there except asshole, just being an asshole. <clears throat> not about defending uh, yourself from a lie that's easily proven to be false or anything like that. So I, I wonder what you guys think about this. Is it r- true? Anything censored is true. No, I'm not for censorship, but does it count? Does censorship count when like someone like me mutes somebody who has shown no goodwill in wanting to interact with the show or myself, whether there's a disagreement or whatever, and there's just vile venom spewing? Uh, is that censorship? If that qualifies as censorship, then this is this is false. But I do ultimately, I I do ultimately think yes, um, there is there's something there. E- even if it, even if there isn't, let's say indecency, because people talk about indecency. Um, I think this would be interesting to to bring up to everybody. How free speech? How free speech are you? And um, as far as censorship goes. Is anything that is removed anywhere, it's only because it was true? That can't be. It can't be. Now, from an author- a central authority figure, um, I'm a little bit more prone to believe that. But uh, as far as quality control, uh, I, don't, I don't know if that really falls under censorship. People are just assholes sometimes. All right, 914-200-0269. I'm going to look for one call, and then I'm out of here. I think that I'm out of here. All right. Whatever you want to tell me, tell me in an email. How's that sound? And I will be back here if I'm feeling good Saturday at 9 p.m. Don't worry. I'll get the word out. If not, I will see all of you monthly subscribers Sunday afternoon for our Sunday Unlisted live stream. And one one other thing here, too. For those of you who are engaged in... Uh, book club with us we are not going to be doing it on tuesday next week we're going to be doing it on thursday next week just wanted to put that out there um so that's great that's the final that is the final uh night of book club for the devil in the white city which has been fantastic and i hope everybody who signed up to be a part of that stays signed up and reads along with us in october when jay dyer comes back to go over mario puzo's the godfather thank you to sean joe Tempo 420, Robert Sarns, and Boys Blanc on QuiteFrankly.tv, powered by Foxhole. Truly independent media. Truly. Truly, truly. All right, let me see one more time on Rumble. Nope, no more. You guys have been wonderful to me. Thank you for everything. And, uh, oh, on QuiteFranklySuperChat.com, Gino says, Isaac's another one I found through Jay Dyer and have followed for a long time. Feels extra special when I see my top people get together. You'll always be number one, though, Francis. Don't forget it. Keep up the great work. I appreciate that, Gino. And you've been around a long time. I'm just happy you're here. I don't care who your number one is. But the fact that it's me 
That's special to me. And I know exactly what you mean because I love that Jay Dyer and Timothy Gordon have been linking up to do to do uh, broadcasts together on several occasions in the last few months. I love seeing that. Those are my boys. And um, we gotta we got to catch up with both of them soon. Anyhow, y'all have been great. And I will say, oh, wait, there's a uh, Peter Ariola on Rockfin. It says, Frank, killing it as usual. Look into the diesel engine DEF scam sometime. Could be an interesting topic for a show. Uh, Peter, if you have any links to that, any information, please send it to me. So I have a place to start. And with that, uh, all the best to you guys in the jacuzzi on Theta. I'm always checking in on you, even though I can't say something to everybody. And to Rockfin and Rumble and DLive. Uh, oh, oh, that's right. I have to go and release, undo, dump the DLive treasure chest. Give me a second, ladies and gents. Been doing this again lately. Distribute. What, what was that? 30 lemons? Good. The more lemons over there, the better. Thank you guys and gals for everything. Become a sponsor. Um, email me, whatever the hell it is, and I hope to talk to you soon. Good night. Good night. Good night. That's not the right. That's not the right one. I'll catch you on the flip side. Quite frankly, is filmed before a live studio audience, and now our super chatter, starting on Rockfin with Mr. Ariola. Mm. And now, thank you so much to Gino, Stostube, Car Guys New England, and Windy Wall, to our friends on Rumble Rants, that is Dan Schumann with the big one over there tonight, and Dawn in Ohio twice. I cannot wait to get in front of you guys again, hopefully on Saturday night. In the meantime, thank you for everything. Thank you again to Isaac Weishaupt and... Uh, all the best to you guys, wherever you are, whether it be Twitch or DLive or Foxhole or Theta or Rumble, Rockfin. Oh, man, I just love you all.